Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the What's Up webcast. We are finally back live. Uh, hopefully for those of you who are here in the US, you had a good holiday, uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Thanks for everyone who watched our Dylan O'Donnell episode uh, last week. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Maybe we'll have him back on uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, but we are back live again, hanging out on Friday. So thanks for spending your Friday morning with us uh, right here. If you've never joined us before, the Skywatcher What's Up webcast takes place every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. Um, if you like what you see here, go ahead and subscribe. Leave a like to a video. It lets us know we're doing a good job and that you want us to keep going with it. Uh, if you have any questions or ideas for a What's Up webcast episode or just want to let us know how we're doing, uh, you can email us at info at skywatcherusa.com and just title it What's Up so we know that's what you're talking about. Uh, but we definitely appreciate you hanging out with us. Um, basically, what we do here on the webcast, if you've never been here before, is we cover everything from equipment to what's up in the night sky to helpful tips and tricks for observing and imaging. And then at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. So we try to cover the bases here. Um, it is the beginning of the month, so we're going to be talking about what's up in the sky. Uh, but before we get going, if you ever want to keep in touch with what's going on and you want to know the, all the future uh, episodes that are coming out for the week, uh, go ahead over to skywatcherusa.com, hit the subscribe button up at the top. That adds you to our email list, and it'll just keep you up to date with all the cool things that are going on. And... Uh, it's almost a new year, which means there might be some new stuff coming out next year, too. So being on that email list can definitely help you uh, keep up with all the cool things that we might be showcasing there. So go ahead, hit subscribe. It'll keep you up to date with what's going on here uh, for Skywatcher. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what we do here on the What's Up webcast. So thanks for spending your morning with us. Um, let's get started real quick. Um, you know, if you're looking for something neat for the holidays because telescopes and equipment are non-existent right now, um, unless you've been waiting and you've been very, very good, uh, then you'll maybe get something. But yeah, everything's on back order right now. It's a mess. Um, so thanks for being patient. If you have stuff on back order, stuff's coming in, I promise. Uh, just you got to be patient with it. Um, we're doing everything we can to do it. But if you're looking for something nifty for the holidays, we've got all kinds of cool stuff here. Uh, shoes, leggings, shirts. We have a shower uh, thing now, phone cases, all kinds of stuff. So um, all different images and all kinds of cool stuff there. That is uh, skywatcher.threadless.com. Um, there's all kinds of cool swag on there. So um, I'm sorry, I should have hit transition. Um, there we go. Now you can see all this stuff that I'm actually talking about. This is live. That means we can say anything. But we're not going to say anything because we could get in trouble if we said certain things. Anyway, this is our uh, swag store. So go ahead, check that out. We appreciate you hanging out with us. And if you're looking for something nifty for the holidays, there's all kinds of cool things that our uh, marketing team's been working on putting that together. So anyway, that is that. That is the skywatcher.threadless.com store. So that is it for swag. Um, because no one saw this earlier because my big head was in the way. Um, if you want to keep up, if you want to subscribe to the channel, hit the subscribe button. Um, if you want to know about sending in episode ideas, go ahead and do info at skywatchusa.com. There's the email right there. If you don't know how to type that out. And if you want to keep up on what's, what's going on, new stuff, go ahead to our website, skywatchusa.com, and hit the subscribe button. So yeah, now that we covered all that, we could actually get on with the episode instead. Uh, first thing, the moon. Big, bright ball of light. Not the sun, the one that's up at night. Uh, it's the biggest thing up in the evening sky, so we should probably talk about it. New moon for this month is December 4th, so tomorrow. And that means the dark sky weekend is this weekend the fourth and the fifth so if you're looking to get out and do some dark sky observing hopefully you've got some plans and the weather's good um go on and head out to those dark skies because it is the last new moon of the month it might be a little chilly out there too so dress accordingly um but yeah that's the new moon for uh december 2021 and then the full moon is december 18th so not quite to the holiday season yet back in there 
Um, depends on what holiday, actually. Uh, but yeah, full moon is December 18th. And this is the cold moon. I'm sure you can figure out why it's called the cold moon. It's actually from uh, Mohawk Native Americans um, that coined this phrase uh, because of the frigid temperatures that would show up uh, this time of year and still do. So it is appropriately named for this time of year as we get into December 21st, 22nd. It's officially winter here in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, so that is where it gets its name because it's cold. Figure that one out. Uh, but yeah, that is your moon phases for the month, essentially. Pretty quick and easy. So if you're looking to get to some dark skies, do some cool observing. Hope you've got something planned for the weekend. And uh, yeah, just keep an eye out on uh, for full moon is December 18th. So plan your imaging or dark sky or whatever you're doing accordingly. Planets. Now, we've got a plethora of planets to actually look at right now up in the nighttime sky. A lot of the major naked eye planets are up and easily visible, so you can go out and check them out anytime. Um, of course, Venus is probably the easiest one to find right after the sun goes down. Um, I'm going to go to full screen here, transition over here, and... Let me see if my software's gonna work or if it's gonna, there we go. Um, so we're gonna try something different. Uh, usually I like to use Stellarium. Stellarium is a free software that you can get online. It's a planetarium software. Um, I have actually switched out to, uh, this is Starry Night Pro Plus 8. Um, this is a planetarium software I've worked with for a long time and then it's been a few years since I've actually been able to to mess with it so i went ahead and got a copy of it um it's like a really advanced version of stellarium it is not a freeware by the way um like stellarium stellarium is excellent because it's free and they do a really nice job of it um, but there's a lot of stuff that you can do in starry night pro uh plus eight or whatever um so anyway uh just using this to try it out uh, so if you're looking for something this is what we're using in this episode so let's talk about the planets. Now, the planets move across the nighttime sky in an imaginary line called the ecliptic. And the ecliptic, I'm going to highlight right here. There it goes on screen. Boop. Um, the moon, the planets, comets, which we'll talk about later. Everything in the solar system travels across this imaginary line uh, called the ecliptic. Rising in the east, setting in the west. So that is the line that we're going to take a look at for our planets. Now... Uh, this evening, wherever you are, uh, just after sunset, let's try to back this up a little bit. There we go. I do have the constellations on and their names, obviously. So don't go outside and try to look for the imaginary lines in the sky because they don't exist. So um, as someone who's done outreach for years, that has come up before. Um, but yeah, so Venus right now is in the constellation of Sagittarius. It's currently setting in uh, the western part of the sky. It's it's easily visible right now. Um, bright naked eye object that would be hard to miss um, right now. And it is getting into, um, I'm still kind of learning how this works, but we... Um, it, we do have a crescent uh, for Venus now. So Venus, because it's inside the orbit of Earth, much like Mercury is as well, you actually can get phases of the moon, uh, or phases, just like the moon does. I'm going to go ahead and stop this real quick. So there's the planet Venus. That is a naked eye object right after the sun goes down. You should be able to see it big, bright in the west. Um, and now that it's in that crescent phase, it's kind of a fun thing to go out and actually uh, try to observe just because you can see phases and you can get something as simple as like a 70 millimeter refractor to give you a real nice look of it. Um, but really any kind of optic would work. So that is the planet Venus. That is going to be your starting point uh, for the evening of observing. And then of course, after Venus, uh, I'm not doing these in any particular order. They're mostly just the brightest to more faint stuff. Uh, we have Jupiter. Jupiter is up as well. Jupiter is going to be in the opposite part of the sky, however, um, in comparison to Venus. So we're going to look, well, not quite. It's um, It will be high in the southern sky, 
um, right now for uh, in the evening. It's going to start nearly due south um, as the sun goes down right now. And as the month of December moves forward, uh, that is obviously going to change. Whoops. There we go. Um, as we can see, as the month progresses, Jupiter is going to be moving further and further over to the west because it's it's just transitioning through there. So let's see if we have any interesting uh, positionings with the moon along the ecliptic. Um, you're going to, well, not, nope, no. Nope. Well, there's going to be a cool one. What is this? This is December 6th. So fourth, fifth, Monday. Uh, Monday, we're going to have a cool conjunction with uh, Venus and a very thin crescent moon. So if you're looking for a really cool picture out there, uh, Venus and the crescent moon are going to be visible. Of course, the time that I have right here is for um, you know the western portion of the United States. So check accordingly on your planetarium apps to see what the positioning is going to be for you. But there should be a cool Venus uh, crescent moon conjunction uh, right there for you to take a look at. So definitely worth uh, going out and take a look at that. Uh, so like I said earlier, you've got Jupiter. Jupiter is nice and high in the evening sky. Let me get back to this evening. Boop, boop, boop. Today's the third. Um, Jupiter is nice and high in the southern part of the uh, sky. It'll be visible for most of the evening um, as it progresses. It's a fun one to go out and observe. Of course, after Jupiter, we have Saturn. Uh, Saturn is also naked eye visible from most backyards. Uh, it's got a real nice uh, set of rings, obviously, that you can see. It is going to be on the southwestern side of the sky. Um, a little, It'll be fainter than Venus and Jupiter. It'll be kind of right in the middle. A uh, nice line of three planets in a row. But something pretty cool to see. Uh, that will be easily visible in the south uh, once you've got... Um, dark enough skies to check that out so definitely go out take a look at those um, those are your three major naked eye planets right now um, and then after that we're going to start getting into the fainter stuff uh, uranus is up in the sky right now also that one's going to take a telescope to see um, that's kind of a fun one to show people but it's going to be way over in the eastern part of the sky in the early evening so you're probably going to have to wait till you know at least six o'clock or so when it's high enough to actually go out and observe so go ahead and check that one out. That's the planet Uranus. Um, let's see if it gives me the information that I want because I'm still, let's see, that's not that. Oh, there it is. Sorry about that. Uh, that's not anything I want to know. Transition in sky. Okay, it's in the constellation of Aries right now. So uh, still learning the software, but yeah, Constellation of Aries, not far ahead of the Pleiades too much, but that's going to be one that's going to take a telescope for you to go out and actually observe, uh, be a little, little blue ball there. It's kind of a neat one to try out. And then lastly, of course, uh, we have, uh, uh, Neptune, Neptune's hanging out up there as well. That takes a little bit. That's a much more challenging planet to go out and observe. Probably going to be a four inch or bigger telescope to take a look at that. Um, but that's something that you can go out and find um, up in the nighttime sky as well. But it's going to be situated real high in the sky right after it gets dark in the south. It's up in Aquarius right now. Um, Jupiter, Saturn, Venus will be naked eye visible. And then after Jupiter, you have Neptune hanging out up there in the constellation of Aquarius. It's a good challenge to try and hunt that one down um, or just use your go-to telescope if you want to go out and check that out. So... Those are the big planets that are up right now. Hopefully you go get something uh, to check out. But yeah, that's that's what we've got going on there right now. Now the sun. Uh, the sun also is a real cool object uh, to go check out. Activity is uh, increasing right now. Um, there's some prominences up on the sun right now as well. Uh, but it's worth keeping an eye on. It's also a fun object to sketch if you ever have a... Uh, chance to do that but it's and it's also a fun object to uh, photograph um, the website that I like to go to in case anybody wants to know um, is gong uh, here it is up here I just type in H alpha solar uh, g-o-n-g solar H alpha um, in Google and it comes up this gives you a collection of different observatories to pick from on in hydrogen alpha to see what's going up on the Sun 
and it's updated frequently. So here's a cool full disc image right now. This is from uh, Sierra Tolo uh, down in Chile. So go check that out. And we were going to try, let me see if this works. There we go. Um, it might have drifted off by this point. Yep, it drifted off. Um, I had set up one of my solar telescopes to share with you guys. And um, it's the Esprit 150. I've got my Daystar Quantum Hydrogen Alpha filter um, out there right now. But uh, there was a prominence on there. But it's um, not really playing nice with me like right now. So I was going to try to do a live feed for you guys of the sun. And it seems to have drifted off. So we won't worry too much about that right now. So, uh, But if you're looking for something live to go check out. I'm sorry, my screens are doing whatever they want. Uh, go ahead and check out the Gong Solar Observatory. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff there. So definitely go ahead and check that out. Definitely worth uh, taking a view of that. Now, meteor showers. Uh, we actually have two meteor showers this, um, uh, this month. So it's kind of going to be a good one. Um, it will depend greatly on the moon, however. So let's jump into that. The first one is the Geminid meteor shower, which actually peaks the 13th and 14th of this month. Uh, these are fairly colorful, I guess, because the velocities of these are a bit slower in comparison to other meteor showers. That's what I read. Um, but you're looking at about 150 per hour. So it's big. But we have a 78% illuminated moon. So it's going to be best after midnight to check that out. And if you're not sure where to take a look at that, let me turn off all the planets here because we don't need them anymore. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, there we go. If you're not sure where to look uh, for this, let's actually let's speed this up. Do, 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 do. After midnight, because you want it is because it is the Geminids, it's going to be coming out of Gemini. Um, let's see, there we go. It's going to be coming out of the main portion of this is going to be centered out of the main constellation of Gemini. Um, not far from the bright star caster is where the center position of that is. So if you're going to be aiming a camera there to kind of catch all these like incoming meteors, uh, you want to aim right about where caster is in the nighttime sky. And that is where, uh, the Geminids are going to originate from. So go ahead and check that out. Um, again, that's on December uh, 13th and 14th is the peak. And we will have a fairly bright moon if I can find where that's hanging out at. Uh, I'm not sure where this, the moon is up here. It should be visible somewhere. Ah, we won't worry too much about it right now because it doesn't matter. Um, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, Geminids on the 13th and 14th of this month should be a cool one. Uh, next one, we have the Ursids meteor showers. That's December 21st and 22nd of this month. That's 5 to 10 per hour. But you have a nearly full moon that's going to be coming out of the uh, Ursa Major region over there. Um, and we can pop back over into Starry Night once again. And uh, that's going to be coming out right over here. Uh, let me just go 21. I'll have to find it. Let's see. Anyway, there's all kinds of stuff you can do in this software. But yeah, go ahead and check it out um, and see where that's going to be uh, for you. But yeah, those are the two major meteor showers this time of year. So... Go ahead, check it out, have fun with that, and uh, should be a good one to go out. Uh, the Ursids are going to be a little difficult because obviously you're going to have a very, very bright uh, moon to contend with, uh, but the Geminids uh, should be a good one. So get out there, check that one out, especially later in the evening or the pre-dawn skies would be the best time to go out and check those out. So that is the Ursi, or I'm sorry, the Geminid meteor shower, um, and that's coming up in the next uh, week or so. So good luck with that. All right, comets. We've got a couple things to talk about this month for comets, as I'm sure you've probably seen a lot of things uh, popping up right now. So 
Um, if you're into observing comets, uh, the website that I like to use is cometchasing.skyhound.com. It lists all the major comets that are visible right now, um, and there's some really good ones out there. Um, probably the biggest one that you're seeing this eve or this morning, I'm sorry, evening, wherever you are, um, is going to be uh, C2 or 2021A1 uh, Leonard that just passed the uh, cluster M3 this morning. Um, and then another one is 67P, which is another good. Um, so that is something that we can uh, definitely go out and check out and observe. Those are two bright enough comets. Um, 67P is shining at 8.8 magnitude, um, which means we're actually able to use a telescope on that. It's not naked eye visible. It's too dim. Uh, generally, naked eye magnitude minimum is seventh magnitude. So we're going to go ahead and uh, going to need a telescope for that one. Probably some slightly darker skies if you can. Um, however, C2021A1 is brightening up. That is 6.8 magnitude. So it is looking like it's just inside that naked eye visibility, but you're probably going to need some dark skies. Um, and checking out the finder charts for that, that is actually, it's actually moving pretty quick. Right now it's in Coma Berenices, but it is diving down. Um, it's going to be moving further down into the sun uh, or near the sun. So if you're trying to get out there and observe it, um, now's probably a good time to do it, but it's going to be an early morning object. Um, here is 67P uh, taken from our telescope uh, the other day. I don't remember when we shot this, but this is something that you can go out, check out. It's a cool one to take a look at. It does have an anti-tail that's nearly opposite its uh, main tail. So try to pull that out. It's faint, try, hard to see, but uh, try to get that if you're doing astrophotography. Kind of a cool thing to go ahead. Um, and then C2021A1 Leonard is, um, we had a really nice uh, conjunction with that this morning. This is a shot that I uh, shot this morning from our remote observatory telescopes. Um, this is uh, Leonard uh, passing the bright uh, globular cluster M3 in Coma Berenices this morning. Um, so that'll be a good one to see. I'm sorry, I said 67P was in... Um, the constellation Coma Berenices, that is incorrect. Um, Comet Leonard is in Coma Berenices uh, currently. So go and check that out or check your apps or whatever you use for observing to confirm the location of those. Um, but that is um, what is up and visible right now for comets. There's probably a handful of other ones up there, but those are the two big ones that everyone's talking about, particularly Comet Leonard uh, because it passed M3 this morning. But that one's a good one to go out and try to catch because um, it is just within naked eye visibility, um, but you probably need the conditions to support it. So good luck with that. Um, it's a very uh, nice comet to shoot. Obviously, it came out pretty well. Um, this is only 40 minutes of exposure. We used two telescopes, one shooting luminance, one shooting one-shot color, and compiled the two. So this is 40 minutes of exposure um, from this morning, early this morning. Um, I was up shooting it so i did not have all the robotic and junk stuff working on it so but yeah go out try it it's an awesome comet go ahead and try to observe that one now uh, let's talk about all the fun stuff uh deep sky targets um there's a lot of really interesting stuff that's up this time of year too much we could do a whole hour um on this um particular topic because of how many cool things that are up there so i will just kind of try to go through some of the the nice ones uh, sprinkle a mix of you know difficult ones and fun ones um in there uh first one of course is ngc 869 and 884 the double cluster it's the constellation of perseus about 7500 light years away from the earth but uh should be this is a great object to go out and observe right now it's easy in almost any optic, even in a kind of a crappy backyard setting, you can see the two clusters. It's a fun one if you're just getting started with deep sky observing. Maybe you got the telescope that you wanted for the holidays a little early or whatever. But um, this is a good one. Or if you are getting something for the holidays and you lucked out that you're going to get it on time. Uh, the double cluster is a fantastic object to go out and observe. It gets your feet wet with deep sky observing. 
um, and it's an easy one to uh, observe in town, but it's outstanding in a dark sky site because of so many stars uh, that, that pan in between there. Um, Imaging-wise, it's a very easy object to do for photography. Um, because it's an open star cluster, it's good for one-shot color. Um, you can use RGB imaging, but it's, it's nothing fancy. Um, so it's something you can easily do um, from the backyard. And it's also something you can do from dark skies if you want to. But it's a fun target to go out and check out. And it just looks great um, overall. Uh, next one, M33, the Triangulum Galaxy. This is in a good spot right now if you're trying to get out and observe. Um, I'm going to pop this up real quick and get back to our current uh, date because we're on the 3rd. It's not the end of the month anymore. Uh, let me get this in here. M33. So M33 right now. We're actually kind of getting towards the end of the season, um, but if let's just get back to about seven or eight o'clock. So right now, depending on where you're at, astronomical twilight, which means if you're not aware of what astronomical twilight is, that is when the sky is actually dark for astronomy purposes. Um, M33 right now is nearly overhead um, for the U.S. Uh, you know, northern hemisphere regions. Um, nearly straight overhead not quite but it's it is over a little bit that is a great object to shoot you can get a couple hours of observing time on it if you're from a dark sky site if you're going out to a dark sky site this week or this weekend it would be a great object to start the evening off with um you know usually about six or seven o'clock at night it's in a good position you know if you're in a dark sky site something as small as like a 80 millimeter can grab it but um, it's in a very good position right now to where if you want to go out and you want to take some pictures of it, you still have enough time to get some data on that before it gets too low. Um, and it looks great in a lot of different ways. Uh, you can do uh, one-shot color. You can do RGB. Um, if you are going to do it, um, it does have a lot of H2 regions in it. Like this guy. Here's an image in hydrogen alpha. But... Add a little hydrogen alpha data in there too if you can. It'll pop those uh, star forming regions out there if you can. So kind of a um, a cool object to take a look at. But um, M33 is a great object to go out and observe. It's it is a bit diffuse. So if you are trying to observe it with a smaller aperture telescope, maybe you know under eight inch, um, it looks like a bit of a fuzz. But as you get larger and larger aperture, you get a lot more structure. Um, in there with the dust lanes and stuff like that. If you got a friend who's got a big daub, have them throw that over and take a look at it. So, um, yep. But, uh, yeah, there, there you go. M33. Uh, this is a staple right now. M45, the Pleiades. If you're new to astronomy and you're watching this and it's, it's the, you know, this time of year, end of the year. This is an easy, easy object to go. You can see it naked eye from your front yard in pretty much most urban areas. Um, even with the light pollution, it's a very nice cluster. It looks great in binoculars. Um, low power eyepieces, probably with telescopes under a thousand millimeter focal length um, with a lower power eyepiece should get a nice view of the whole cluster there. So it looks great. Um, but if you're looking for the nebulosity, that's going to be a bit of a challenge and you really need dark, transparent skies to see, uh, the Marope Nebula, which is what all this is called. Um, you'll need darker skies to see that. But for photography purposes, um, it generally shows up in very short exposures. Uh, this is a reflection nebula. So we need to understand that there is no light pollution filter or anything that's really going to help you here. Uh, narrow band filters will not do anything on this nebula. So uh, that's something that we need to take a look at and um, consider when we're doing this. Uh, someone did mention while we were talking about the sun earlier that I would like to repeat this because I, I don't think I mentioned it before. Do not ever look at the sun without the correct solar filters on your telescope. Just throwing that out there and just don't do it. Got to throw that out there.
anyway, moving on. So the cool thing about the Pleiades cluster is it works in a lot of different focal lengths. And uh, let me actually go through here. So here is the Pleiades at 550 millimeters. So if you're looking to get out and do some imaging with this, 550 millimeter, this is a full frame sensor, plenty of room to frame that up really nicely. And if you have a full frame and you're up to about a thousand millimeter, it still frames up the cluster nicely. So it's a very flexible object to shoot and just go out and give it a shot with whatever you're trying to do. It'll look great in the backyard. It'll look awesome from a dark sky site. Uh, I would pick a time where there's no moon up in the sky, obviously, but as long as there's no moon like this weekend, if you're looking for something fun to shoot or observe, the Pleiades is a very good position right now to get a lot of time on it because right about eight o'clock, it's still in the east rising um, right now, right over here in the constellation of Taurus. So you could actually go almost all night um, on the Pleiades right now as it transcends the sky going near Zenith straight overhead right now to take a look at that. So if you're looking for something to image that maybe something that's not super challenging, the Pleiades is always a fan favorite, um, especially when you get these really nice details inside of it. So give it a go. Try it out. Um, another one that's up right now, it's in the constellation of Perseus. It's really not far from the Pleiades, actually, is the California Nebula. Um, this is a cool one because you can actually, it's very strong in narrowband. It is a H2 star-forming region, so there's lots of, it's very abundant in hydrogen. So uh, if you're looking to do astrophotography, even in town, you can put a hydrogen alpha filter. That's how I shot this right here. Just a 200 millimeter Canon lens and a monochrome camera and an H alpha filter and go to town and get some nice detail. This was shot in my backyard. Nothing fancy. Um, about a thousand light years away. It does look good in um, visible light as well. If you want to approach it differently. Uh, as far as visual, it is a challenge, however. It does require dark skies. You're probably going to want a wider field optic, something in that 500 millimeter to 800 millimeter focal length with low power eyepieces. Um, and because it is so abundant in hydrogen, you're probably going to want something that allows that to pop out. So like a UHC filter or an H-beta filter are great filters for this to help pop that out. And from dark, dark locations, it looks excellent so um, highly recommend uh, the california nebula it's kind of one that gets overlooked because you have so many other major nebulas that are up this time of year but um it's hanging out right over there by the pleiades um here's the pleiades right there here's the california nebula over here in perseus um you can see they're really not that far um, away from one another and they're if you have a wide enough optic they have all kinds of detail and dust between these two regions. Um, so there's all kinds of cool stuff in there. So definitely go out, take a look at the Pleiades. Um, but don't forget the California Nebula is hanging out not too far away from it as well. So um, there's a lot of good objects up there this time of year to check out. So the California Nebula is a very, very nice nebula to observe. And it's something that you can do from home. Um, with some narrowband equipment, even with the moon up. Don't worry about it. Just go after it. But uh, give it a shot. All right. We're to that spot now. We have to talk about it. The elephant in the room, M42. Um, obviously, we all know where this is positioned in the sky. It's like the most famous nebula in the northern hemisphere. 1,600 light years away from the Earth. Uh, this is probably the best nebula that you can see in the nighttime sky in the northern hemisphere it's it's bright enough that really binoculars small telescopes even the crappy ones that you can get from stores um, can see it it doesn't take any amount of effort to really get out and observe a, um, this nebula so uh, go out check it out um, if you're new to the hobby, this should be one of the first objects that you go out and try to stretch your legs into deep sky observing with because it's it's just excellent. Um, you can get structure, look for the trapezium in the core, um, but yeah, it's an awesome, awesome object to go take a look at. As far as imaging goes, 
everything's on the table. Looks great from the backyard, even in light polluted locations. Um, looks great in narrow band. I don't have a, a true narrow band Hubble palette of this uh, nebula yet, hopefully soon. Um, and from dark sky sites, it's unbelievable visually and imaging wise. Um, just want to throw some things out there just that I've been messing with. So this is a one shot color image with a luminance channel applied on top of it to help bring out the dust. Um, one thing this got brought up a while, um, with a little group of friends of mine that a lot of people will go to this region and they'll focus solely on M42 only. And there is so much in this region that you overlook. Um, especially if you're a big fan of clipping the blacks um, on your uh, astrophotography images. By the way, most of space actually is not black. Um, there's lots of dust, lots of molecular clouds. There's a lot of brown up in there. So you want to make sure that you're not clipping that data because you're going to lose all this little um, faint nebulosity that's floating out around there. And then, of course, right next to M42 is uh, the Running Man. So that's a great one to see as well. That's a little harder visually, but you can get that from darker skies. Uh, you can start to see the structure in there. Now, let's talk about all the nebulosity around this region. Between M42, the Running Man, and the Horsehead, um, you have a massive nebula complex um, floating throughout the entire constellation of Orion. And that's something that a lot of people will miss because, again, you're, you are focusing solely on the main nebula. This is only a, a portion of this large nebula complex. So what I would recommend if you're messing around with whatever, you've got old data, um, try shooting some hydrogen alpha on this as well. So I want to show you what I did uh, to pop out the nebulosity here. So this is my color shot of Orion. Very happy with it. Looks great. Um, I don't remember the exposure times on this. It wasn't a ton of time. But then I'm starting to work on this Hubble palette, narrowband palette of the same region. So I had six hours of hydrogen data thrown in there. And that gets blended in. That, and here's the AB real quick. This is adds a lot different structural look to this whole region. And you can really see how much detail is actually floating back in there. So let me go back and forth here. So here's just a standard one shot color with a lot of luminance applied to it. And then uh, here's what that enhanced hydrogen uh, channel applied to that. So don't be afraid to mess around and experiment with filters and really try to see what you can pull out because even from your backyard going with a deep hydrogen shot and even you one shot color guys out there you can do this because now that we have these multi-band narrow band filters you can start toying around um, with really deep detailed images even from your backyard so don't be afraid to throw in some uh, narrow band data it kind of gets interesting when you're trying to process that but you can weave the color and the narrow band channels together carefully, um, but you can get some really cool detail out of that. All right, now let's talk about my favorite nebula and everyone else's favorite nebula for the most part, the horse head and the flame. Now, very easy object to image, very difficult object to observe. So again, it's in the constellation of Orion. It's right off of the bright star Alnitak. Um, that's what this bright star is right here. Um, this is in the belt uh, region. So the three star, as my uh, good friends call it, three in a row. Um, so we all know that it's, it's one of the most... So many people who don't know anything about astronomy know the constellation of Orion. Um, so we're looking at the belt stars. We have Mintaka, Alnilam, and Alnitak. And Alnitak is the bright star in the middle that basically lights up the horse head. So that is something that you want to check out. Um, so it's easy to find. It's very easy to shoot, but it's very, very difficult to observe. Um, 
So for visual work, I would probably, it needs to be dark skies. It, there's no question about that when you're trying to observe this visually. I'd probably say somewhere between 10 and 12, if not bigger um, telescopes. H beta filter is almost necessary unless you have a buddy who's got a real big scope and good conditions or a UHC filter. Um, H betas are kind of specialized. Um, I do recommend having those filters in your case at some point, especially if you're really into deep sky observing. But if you don't, don't worry about it. The same wavelengths are passed in an, a UHC filter. They're just not as isolated. So you don't have as much structural detail coming through as the H beta would. But, um, yeah, it's a very complex target to look for. You're basically looking for a black thumbprint on black paper. Um, very, very faint. What I find is you want to be very, very careful when observing this object. Take your time. Um, I like to, I usually use Dobsonians when I'm doing visual work. Whatever telescope you're using, use the hand controller or grab the front of the scope and slowly move it side to side while observing. And of course, you'll watch Alan the Tack kind of come in and out and they'll move around. But you want to just look very slowly to see what moves while you move the telescope. And that's what I find is a really easy way to start and find where the horse head is. Um, I'm going to break down what we're actually looking here in a minute too. Imaging wise, it's a freaking piece of cake. Um, you can do it from a backyard with all the modern day technology. Uh, cameras are very sensitive um, to all this, um, but it's easy to catch this one. Uh, so we're talking, um, you can do it visual light, narrow band, and hydrogen alpha is easy. Uh, but imaging the Horsehead Nebula, it, there's no problem. You could do it with a star tracker, a 200 millimeter lens, and an unmodified SLR or mirrorless camera. No problem, easy, don't even worry about it. Um, so real quick, here's a one-shot color image of the horse head. And then you can also blend hydrogen into it. Here's a hydrogen blend. Um, it kind of warps the colors a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's one what we can talk about. Um, that's something you can mess with as well. Don't be afraid to experiment with filters and try them out. But here's the thing. This region is very complex. There's a lot going on with it. So this portion of the nebula, this is actually what you want to look for when you're observing the horse head. This is IC or index catalog 434. This is the hydrogen portion of the nebula. This is what you want to look for when you're looking at the horse head. If you can see this glow, which is rather faint, but this is what the H beta filter is going to come out, uh, bring out is this glowing nebula portion. When you're observing this, if you can see that, you want to go towards the middle of it, and then you want to see if you can see the absent of light there. That's where the horse head is. And if you're careful, you can see it. Um, that's B33, the horse head nebula in the center. Then below, you have NGC uh, 2023. And then, of course, the flame nebula, NGC 2024, which is just below Alan Attack. That's easy. That one you can see, no problem. It really doesn't take much effort. Uh, but if you can see the flame nebula, then you know you're in the right spot. Um, it's just how good are the conditions or what kind of equipment are you using to catch the rest of the, the region there. So that's how I would approach that. Um, but yeah, so we'll go with that. All right, the witch head. Um, witch head is a challenge um, on almost every level. Uh, this is a reflection nebula right off the bright star Rigel, um, the opposite side of Orion. Uh, 